Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show, the program for people who love their pets. I'm Marie Hewitt, and this morning we'll be talking with Karen Casey about a fabulous new book that she's written called Underdogs. Then a little later, if you're the kind of person who loves to spoil your dog, you won't want to miss Sarah Pierce tell about some extraordinary new pet dens. It's all just ahead, so don't go away. More Pet Place Radio is coming right up here on Retro 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260 and 540. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's my pleasure to welcome now Karen Casey. Hi, Karen. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm so happy you were able to make it down today. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Now, you're stepping out into the world of writing books. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What have I gotten myself into? No. Um, and, and you've just written a pretty exciting book. It's called... It's called Underdogs, Valuable Information, and Stories of Transformation. And and is this about uh, purebred dogs that you get from a pet store? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, quite the quite the opposite. It, oh, it's thank really, goodness. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think if people knew what they were supporting by doing that, and I think more people are understanding, mm-hmm. that would not be happening. But, no, it's it's... It's anything but that. So. Oh, okay. Well, let's uh, let's give some hints. What is okay. it all about? You know, actually, I think um, it's it's rather unique in that it's a combination of storytelling, um, extremely life-affirming, transformative stories, both human beings and and their dogs when adoption's done well, um, and and. But beyond that, it has an informational component, an educational component in every chapter that helps to uh, people understand how dogs really end up in rescues, and also that you know what they can do themselves to help prevent that, even with a well-loved dog. Um, I interviewed a lot of people. There's a lot of input from some of the most respected animal advocates in the country, and so they've lent that information. And I think it's part, uh, kind of part resource, but also um, wonderful, moving, inspiring stories as well. So, wow. Yeah. It sounds like you spent a lot of time on this. I did. It was a labor of love. It, it, it was over uh, many months and, and getting to know these families and dogs and interviewing people and trying to find a great combination that's uh, easy to read but also something you can refer back to and, and really will help to hopefully uh, begin to address and, and also just chip away at this overwhelming uh, homeless pet population. So, yes, it was definitely from the heart. Now, I first met you um, a couple months ago at Orange County Pet Days at yes. the Orange County Fairgrounds, yes. and you seem mm-hmm. very, very passionate about animal rescue. What's your background? How did you get into You know, all actually, this? well, I, the very, very first would be, of course, I, we adopted our very first dog from um, the Humane Society in Minneapolis, where, where I'm from uh, originally, but... Um, you know, it, it started with volunteering with my daughters. We've always believed in volunteer work. So That's we great. did um, do, did uh, walking dogs at a, at a local rescue called uh, Pacific Coast Dog Rescue in Burbank. That led to holding mobile adoptions, um, getting to see firsthand a lot of misconceptions that people had about dogs in rescue and, well, they couldn't have a dog because they didn't have a yard and things like that. And that went on to I uh, use my writer's voice because I started feeling so overwhelmed. I think a lot of people do. You think, oh, these poor dogs, or you have this feeling. And so I 
decided to write for um, contribute material to different publications. Um, also started a t-shirt company that helps to advocate also. And, um, and that's kind of how it all has begun. I'm kind of diversifying ways to find, to help in this area. And then the book was born. I suspect that in the process you probably learned a few things that you didn't know before. <laughs> you know, one of them, I, yes, I have. And honestly, I think a couple things. One would be that um, I was surprised how many older dogs end up homeless, um, dumped by the side of the road. I I've, you know, I've, I've written, I know, in the book itself there's a story about a dog named Soldier. And um, it, 11 years old, dumped on the highway in Indiana. And just stories like that and these re- rescues that are out there, simply to um, address this elderly population of dogs who probably gave nothing but the best years of their lives and, and you know, or, they, or, or they had a years of neglect and it was a reprieve because I, I also oh, believe that rescue life can also be a reprieve to a dog from um, a life far worse. There are rescues out there doing amazing things for, for animals. But um, that and also the, just that well-loved dogs end up in rescue when people uh, become ill uh, and, or pass away and think they've made arrangements for their for their dog and actually they uh, they either haven't or they're not really binding and um, there are some things in the book that are very simple for people and inexpensive ways to set arrangements and make those think about those things ahead of time um, to protect your dog um, and, and and so things like those are probably a couple things that were rather surprising to me. Okay. I know a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about how dogs end up in rescues. In your experience, what kind of dogs end up in rescues? Honestly, I think uh, my the background help helping out with the, a dog rescue that um, does specialize in, in dogs with, quote, difficult dogs or dogs that were surrendered because of issues, most of the time I've, I've learned that it has to do with choices made on behalf of their the people that they are with and the environment and that through proper training, even dogs that are considered maybe unadoptable um, can find homes. But having said that, most of the time these dogs are not, they are not flawed, they're not bad dogs, they're just, it's been a, a wrong circumstance or a person just decided that, you know, they had a move or something and the dog ended up in a rescue. So I think that um, even through, you know, with great training, there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all dog either. Mm-hmm. And I just think if people realize that the upfront work that comes when you want a dog and making sure that it fits the lifestyle and really fits criteria and that you're committed goes a long way, too, to just keeping dogs in families and, um, you know, that keeps them out of shelters and rescues, too. So I think that it's this idea that there must be something wrong with them then if they ended up in a rescue. And a lot of times, you know, I'm, you know that's not the case. I'm not going to say it's never the case, but that's rarely the real reason, so... I think what happens frequently, though, is someone will get a dog, and they'll think it's just going to be a perfect dog like a previous dog they had in their life, in their right. memory somewhere. And they forget that it literally takes months to train a dog to be that, quote, right. perfect family dog. Right. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And nowadays in people's busy lives, they don't have that time to right. devote and so they think the dog is a bad dog, and right. it's got nothing to do with the dog. Right, and I actually was impressed by somebody I saw recently at an event that I was at when we were selling our, our T-shirts, and they were saying, you know, we want a dog so bad, but my wife is working, you know, 10-hour days right now, and I'm this or whatever, and they go, we're just waiting. We just know now is not the time. And as much as you want all these dogs to find homes and, and be adopted, you also think you have to admire that because the commitment has to be there from the beginning. And, 
No dog can replace another dog. Um, they can be phenomenal in their own way, but um, you, you have to take a dog on face value. And also, like you said, I, one of our dogs, rescue dog, is a special needs dog at a deformed front paws and had Aww. abuse in her background, and we couldn't love her more, but it took her a very long time to um it's just layers like peeling back layers of an onion you know she's just become more and more comfortable but we really had to have patience and help her and um the reward has been ours but it 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 definitely has like you said it it's just like watching something unfold and you know it takes time and if sure. you don't have the time don't adopt it's just not don't good adopt. for you, you donate money you know the there's so many ways mm-hmm. I, I think that's the other thing is that you know, there's so many phenomenal organizations in, across the country. You can donate a day a week or you can to walk dogs. You can write a check if you have that. I know it's tough economic times, but even just $10 or whatever, it all helps. There is some way to help even if you can't get a dog. Out of all these things that you've mentioned, what do you think is the one thing that would make a difference for rescue dogs um, that that people can do? You know, I think it's number one is a greater awareness, um, whether it's for if you're in the market for adopting a, a dog yourself, become educated about you know what makes a good match and and all that. And in the book, we, I, I go over things like that, as well as um, you know once you have a dog, again things in the book to how to protect them. Just awareness, I think more of an awareness that they're like I said that. Um, and the other thing about the about like. You know, people like designer dogs. They like those little dogs. There's a a breed, a rescue for every breed out there just about. And if you're looking for a tiny little dog, if that's a designer dog, there's those breeds out there, breed rescues. And um, I think just having the awareness and knowing that you can make a difference um, either. So educate yourself. Be aware of what's I think so, and I think underdogs is a way of being able to, it's through these stories that are very touching, they really all make great points, and then there's follow-up information right there that's easy to read, that's very hands-on, and, and I think is a great combination. So at least it's one place to start anyway. So it's so. a guidebook for it, you it, dog it, owners. It kind of is, but I, but I also, yes, it kind of it is, and it's one you can refer back to, but I have had some um, animal lovers read the book and say, you know, I I really learned things when you know when I read this, and I also I cried three times in the first story, and I'm thinking, well, that's good, that's a good combination, <laughs> I guess. So I have a feeling we're on the same page on this subject, but what's your opinion on spay and neuter laws? You know, I think it's just for me personally, it's it's just absolutely necessary. Um, this is an overwhelming. The pet population problem is it feels overwhelming, um, and it's one place to start at the source. And it's the, the indiscriminate breeding, the backyard breeders, the people who want to make a buck who end up selling little dogs at a lemonade stand or something because they're trying to get rid of them, and they end up in a shelter and they're euthanized. So, you know, or just dogs end up stray and life on the street. So to me, some people need accountability, and I think having a law that says there will be a fine, um, that kind of thing, it's necessary for some people. It's common sense, but I think we really do we do need that. It's it's a responsibility. It so. is necessary, and it's not going to penalize good responsible people because good right. responsible people are already spaying and neutering, and good responsible breeders are breeding responsibly. And so, if they have to get a license and pay an extra yeah, fee to do right. what they do, do it. then it's going to have an impact, yeah, and we're going right. to see less animals killed in shelters. Absolutely. Every year. And like I said, and I think I show in the book, it's just. There are so many ways that they end up in rescue that you don't necessarily think, but and but at the source, spaying and neutering certainly is a way to curtail the problem. 
Now, how, what's the reaction been about your book? Has it been well-received? Well, so far, I'm kind of just getting started with my, my efforts of getting it out there, but I have heard from, from readers, and it has been very well-received. I think the combination of it being educational and sort of enlightening, but very easy to read and also very inspiring. I, I think it's I've been told by people that actually um, aren't necessarily animal lovers that there's actually something in there for people that are just going through tough, challenging times, looking, reading about hopeless situations and seeing what can come of that um, and the success has, has also made me feel good to know that, you know, that that's out there. So, so it's inspirational. I think, I, yeah, I think so, and it's all about the people. <laughs> and it's the people and these dogs, and I could, believe me, I could write a sequel because there's so many, and I've been approached by others, and the, there's just the stories there make great points and, and they're touching as well so that's yeah. fabulous how are you getting the word out about your book i'm doing interviews like this okay. and I'm, I'm doing some um i have a company called muchmorethanme.com and that is one way we are cross-promoting other um with a lot of other rescues around the country are, are having the book up there and we have it on uh on the muchmorethanme.com site which um you can order it there Amazon.com and, and and all that. We're we're trying to I'm trying to do mailings. I'm trying to um, just do a lot you of different things. Uh, well, my website is basically through my company, which is much more than me.com. That's through our T-shirts. And is that spelled in a creative way, like no, it's actually it's, no, it's like much <laughs> okay. more than me.com. Okay. Exactly, it's exactly how it's spelled. And you know, these T-shirts kind of help to reinforce greater awareness of the needs of others, both human beings and animals. But we do have a special passion for rescue dogs. So we have shirt styles that um, explain how dogs end up in rescues and also uh, that it is an eco-friendly thing to adopt animals on our planet that are already here. Um, like we like to say, we love rescue recycle. So um, that is another way to, to get the book, and that's, you know, I'm getting the word out through efforts I'm doing through that company as well. Does your book um, assist the efforts of dog rescue or pet rescue in any other way? Um, one of the things that we do with Much More Than Me with our T-shirts is we have from day one um, donated proceeds on the sale of every T-shirt, and we are doing that. I am trying to do that with the book. Certainly any book sale that comes through muchmorethanme.com, I am donating a portion of proceeds to rescues and shelters nationwide, um, yeah. not just in California. And so that's one way, um, and I'm sure there will be other, other ways as I go forward. You know, I just adopted a Labradoodle who was rescued from horrible, horrible backyard breeder puppy mill mm, kind of circumstance. Wow, wow. The designer dog, right. of, you know, the past few years, everybody yeah. has to have a Labradoodle. And, and you know there's over 200,000 Labradoodle rescues already? Oh, well, I'm not <laughs> yeah. I See, now that would be that, that's a surprise. I did not realize there were that now, many. Now, what would you say to people who insist on getting a designer dog from a breeder or a pet store? You know, I think that there's just, by virtue of what you said right there, too, there's just no need. Um, if any dog that you can think of practically, there is a rescue, and you can um, you can find that, that breed. You can find the, the cute little dog, the dog. I've seen so many dogs that were rescue dogs, and now they're, they're wearing dresses, and they're, you know, they have the bows in their hair, and they're sitting in purses. And if that's what somebody wants, or if they want just a different breed, they're there in rescues. And, you know, what you're supporting in pet stores is puppy mills, which is basically greed and inhumanity mm-hmm. combined. And if this, there are some stories in the book about that as well, that'll just make your jaw drop. But yet, the lives that they've gone on to to lead are um, are will make you know they're very happy very happy endings. But again, more information about puppy mills and w- what you can do and, um, and 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 how not to support the purchase of animals that way. 
So this is Underdogs by Karen Casey. Yes, it is. Karen, this is exactly the type of book we like to promote on Pet Place, so thank you for coming Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thanks. It's time now to take a lightning fast break, but when we come back, we'll have lots more fun stuff here on Retro 1260. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on KGIL AM 1260 and 540. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining us now is Sarah Pierce from Den House Pet Den. Welcome to the Pet Place, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I've taken a look at some of these little dog houses, and they are quite fancy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where did you get the idea for these? Well, we actually have our own dog, Amber, and we designed the original one for her. We were going through our house and uh, doing uh, home repairs and improvements and needed to get rid of her ugly dog crate. (laughs) And uh, so we went out into the garage and built the first one for her. And after that, people kept asking us, where do we get them? So... Wow, so they were they were just a real popular item right from the beginning. They were, and what we saw with Amber was uh, her her need to be inside of a den, and so you know this uh, this ability to honor our dogs and their natural instincts, and to also allow them to be in our homes and our living spaces in a space that makes them feel really comfortable mm-hmm. is really important for them. And and if you're going through one of those home decoration periods where you're spending thousands of dollars on uh, beautifying your home, you certainly don't want an old dog crate in your living room. Right, yes. (laughs) It's nice to have style. And uh, so we actually started off with wooden um, crates and then expanded beyond there. And so now we have a handcrafted Zen house, which is made out of fiberglass. Can you describe that? How how does it look? Well, it's actually... it's an oval shape, okay. and what it does is it sort of hugs your dog. That's why we we designed it that way, and um, and it's so it's made out of fiberglass, which is kind of a uh, shiny material, but it's very durable and strong, and it is uh, very distinctive and unique and stands out in your home. So some people get the the red one, which um, like I have in my home, and people come in and comment on it all the time. Um, or the green one, which is sort of jazzy and fits in with more modern homes. Does it and have some kind of embellishment on it? Um, no, it's got, uh, it's all very, uh, like a sleek finish. There's no embellishment. It's got, um, the design is really in the oval shape and in the way that there's kind of air holes on the side okay. for the dog. Now, are there photographs of some of your pet dens on a website? There are. Our website is denhouse.com, which is actually spelled D-E-N-H-A-U-S, so like Haas, Denhaus. And so we actually have the other product, too, is the Bauhaus, which is small, and that one is uh, hip and fun and um, very modern. Can you describe that one? That one is actually a circular shape, and so it's made out of high-quality and super-strong steel, and it's really kind of for, like, the trendsetter, somebody who wants to kind of stand out in a crowd. Um, it's just very fun and hip. It's got a whole circular pattern on the side that's very distinctive. And um, we kind of play off of the original Bauhaus design, which is actually spelled a little bit differently. Um, but it, it's really showing an, an appreciating design in your home. Okay. 
And and how do the dogs react to these fancy little houses? Are are they excited about them? Do you have to kind of coax them to go in, or do they accept them right away? What's the word? You know, it really depends on your dog. If they're used to being crate trained, it's no problem at all. They just go right in. And um, as soon as we got ours, and we have about five of them throughout our house, we have some in uh, in our bedroom, one in you know, a couple in the living room, and uh, our dog Amber just curls up inside. And uh, oftentimes people come into our house and they can't figure out where Amber is, but they can hear her snoring. <laughs> and she's curled up inside of her house, uh, inside the den. Okay. And uh, and all of them actually were designed so that the doors can be removed, so that as your dog is comfortable with them, they can just come and go. Okay. And um, also they can be shut in if they need to be um, somewhere, like if they're having trouble or need to be crated. Now, what about kitties? I know kitties love boxes. Are you are you finding that cat owners are are interested in these as well? Yeah, you know, about ten percent of our sales are to cat owners, and what we're finding is a lot of them. Some of them use them for sleeping, and other people use them to hide litter boxes. Oh, great idea! Yeah, so like our small townhouse, which is a our classic wood design, um, people are kind of tucking them in there. The the uh, litter box fits really nicely in there, and the grate can be removed so that the dog or the cat can just go in and do their business. Now, you brought up something a little earlier in our conversation, crate training. I know a lot of people, when you talk about crate training, it really freaks them out, and they think, oh, no, that's so cruel. What do you say about that? Um, well, I think they're a really effective training tool, and it's really about honoring your dog's instinct to be inside of this den, and they like to be in closed spaces. Um, if you've ever noticed your dog during, like, a thunderstorm or, a, you know, fireworks or something, they kind of huddle close to you or try to get under your feet or under your desk and they have just this natural instinct to feel safe and calm inside of a den and so that's what we that's what a crate can provide but traditional crates are very ugly and you know they're a good training tool but they're not really meant to you don't want those in your living room yeah Um, and i think also the key with crate training is you don't just put your dog in there and lock it up 24 hours a day yet you let it be a special place that it enjoys and goes to for security and it's also a great way to house train a dog if you first bring a dog or a puppy home you can use the crate training method and it's so effective yes i agree and you know i heard a stat the other day that said that 85 percent of pets are in shelters for resolvable issues and I think a lot of those are based on training issues. I think you have to, you know, when you really care about your, your dog and you're honoring them for being the dog that they are, you want to understand their instincts. Absolutely. And, and that instinct is to, to really be inside of something and to be safe and to have their own space. They really do get a sense of security there, and it, it helps them adjust into a new home also. We just recently adopted a rescued Labradoodle, and she has never had an indoor life before. Now she's an indoor dog, and she doesn't know what to make of it. Right. But she loves her crate, and that's where she goes when she's had just a little bit too much uh, stimulation and, and just needs a little time off uh, to reset and relax. And that's her little security place. And it's been great with house training her, too, because we have not had a single accident. We've had her a week already, so I'm pretty pleased. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, it's really fun with our with dog Amber, and we have, um, you know, when we have people over, it's a nice safe space. But also, we've got young children, and so they're always kind of playing around. And she, we always know that when she goes in there, it's kind of like her time to be alone. 
but she's still there with us in our living space. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like uh, what one of our customers described as awe moment, where you sort of feel this like release, and that's oh, yeah. the dog, the comfort that they feel when they go in there. And she's still with the pack, but she's just in this nice, safe place. Right. Yes. That's really good. And I, I really want our listeners to um, head over to your website and take a look at some of the pictures because, as I said, I was very, very impressed by by some of the options that you have available. So let's give your website out again. Okay. It's at denhouse.com, D-E-N-H-A-U-S. Denhouse.com. Sarah, these sound like must-have items for the pampered pets out there, and I'm delighted you were able to tell everyone about them today. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Well, thank you. You too. We have to take our final break, but we'll be back with Pet Place News in just a minute, so please stay tuned to the Pet Place Radio show here on Retro 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Normally, I take a few moments to talk about pet events that are coming up, but I received an email from Forever Home Animal Rescue this week telling me about a beautiful four-year-old husky named Princess who needs a good forever home. She's spayed and has a clean bill of health. She loves Everyone, kids and adults alike, other dogs, and so far, no issues with cats, which is really, really nice. She smiles, that big old dog smile when you come into the room, and just has the sweetest, tender heart. She loves car rides, loves to play ball, go for walks, and just be around humans in general. Unfortunately, her family had to give her up due to their living situation. In an effort to keep her out of the shelter, the family has moved her to a few different locations, so as you can imagine, she's a little timid right now, confused, and probably wondering why she keeps getting moved from place to place. If you have time for this princess in your heart and home, please call 714-267-6777 for more information, and feel free to pass this along to anyone you feel who might be interested. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day.